Welcome to the Middle School Water Fountain Podcast with your host, Tyler Daughtry. Hello, and welcome to the Middle School Water Fountain Podcast. My name is Tyler Daughtry, the host for this podcast. This podcast will share stories, experiences, strategies, and lessons from the middle school classroom and environment. Today's episode is going to discuss the past, present, and future of high stakes testing. When a teacher hears the word standardized testing, what comes to mind? Is it fear? Is it panic? Is it nervousness? Is it unknowing the future? Is it unknowing the time needed? Is it hope for both you and your students? What comes to mind when you think of high stakes testing? These are all characteristics of many teachers within the last week in education. In the present day education framework, one of the most debated topics is that of high stakes testing or standardized testing. Over the last 100 years, the idea of standardized testing has gone through a complete makeover. To begin, we must know a little bit of history of standardized testing within the United States. To begin, on January 1st, 1901, a team of U.S. colleges develops the first standardized admissions test. In Jan- on January 1st, 1926, the Scholastic Aptitude Test, also known as the SAT, got founded by the College Board, which is a group of non-universities and other educational organizations. The original test lasted 90 minutes and consisted of 315 questions of vocab and basic math. It included fill-in-the-blank analogies as well. In, on January 1st, 1936, the first automatic test scanner came out. On January 1st, 1941, the SAT becomes normalized to make it as fair as possible. On January 1st, 1959, the ACT would be created. On January 1st, 1984, the first college board book hits bookstores that we now see in Books a Million or Barnes and Noble or many schools like uh, many bookstores across the United States. In January 1st, 2001, uh, the famed No Child Left Behind Act would be introduced by the United States Department of Education and would be signed. On January 1st, 2005, there will be additional changes to the SAT that reflect what students are learning in school. Additionally, in 1984, this is North Carolina history, the North Carolina General Assembly passes legislation to begin end-of-grade tests in high school and in the course test. The North Carolina General Assembly passes legislation to begin tests in middle school and elementary school in 1989. In 1992 and 93, the first EOGs and EOCs are administered. In 1996 and 97, the North Carolina General Assembly uh, school-based management and accountability program known as the ABCs. In 1997-98, the ABC program is extended to high schools based on end-of-course scores. In 2001-2002, President George W. Bush signs the reauthorization of the Elementary and Secondary Educational Act, ESEA, uh, and becomes known as the No Child Left Behind Act. 
Um, it requires all states to give statewide tests to students in grades three through eight, rate schools based on school performance, and impose a fairly devised set of penalties on schools deemed low performing. In 2002-2003, North Carolina begins the first test subject to North Carolina, I meant No Child Left Behind accountability. In 2010, North Carolina receives the Race to the Top grant, which allows uh, for additional tests to occur as a result. Um, in 2012-2013, as a result of Common Core Standards, North Carolina Department of Public Instruction rolls out the new set of state reading, math, science, and what would soon become social studies assessments. Um, and it would eventually lead to what we know of today in the period of high, in the period of standardized testing. At the time of this recording, currently in our state, educational leaders suggest that the state standardized testing must be done in the last 10 days of school. At the time of the recording in a normal year, we will be rounding into the last 10 days of school. Beginning at the third grade, students in our state and district begin taking standardized testing in language arts and math. By middle school, currently students in our district complete high stakes testing or standardized testing in all four core areas, math, language arts, social studies, and science. For the last nine to 10 years, students have been in the period of this standardized testing. Starting at the beginning of May, teachers begin preparing, if not before, their students for high stakes testing in their classrooms, including how to read and answer questions properly, strategies to use, and test-taking strategies. Such as it is, I have heard and often implemented include eating a good breakfast, which you should every day, not just on high test-taking days. Use a highlighter and highlight key phrases. Take your time, which you should on every assignment. But for high stakes standardized testing, there's a time limit. So if you wanted to take your time on every assignment, you got to be cautious of that. The one that has changed the most over the last few years is it it does and it doesn't matter. That's been a big shift of the test mattering as much as it once did. I stand in the door of the classroom on standardized test taking days and wish the kids good luck and put them at ease. There have been many occasions where students have come in calm, but then there's other times when students have come in with anxious thoughts, brought in personal issues, or brought in health issues. Even with these personal or health issues or anxiety that has arisen, students are still required to sit and take the test. According to Joe Martin, the educator motivator, no school teacher or no educator has had a former student come to them and say that a standardized test has changed their lives. I am no different. Many students come to me after I teach them years after and say thank you for making an impact on my life. But not one of them has said thank you for helping me do well on a standardized test. If we are truly making an impact on lifelong learners, we must begin transitioning away from standardized testing and high-to-stakes testing. The famed author of Teach Like a Pirate, Dave Burgess, states, Why have so many schools reduced the time and the emphasis they place on art, music, and physical education? The answer is beyond simple. Those ideas aren't measured on the all-important test. You know where those ideas are measured? In life. 
Art, music, and a healthy lifestyle helps us develop a richer, deeper, and more balanced perspective. Never before have we needed more of an emphasis on this development of creativity. He goes on to say that we need risk takers outside the box thinkers and entrepreneurs. Our Luckily, for me and for many others, I follow Dave Burgess's quote. My mother, my father, and my sister instilled in me from an early age the importance of the arts. I was in handbell choirs. I went to the local theaters and watched shows as Wicked, Phantom of the Opera, Stomp, Footloose, and Riverdance. I still my own students for the importance of the arts and education, including music, dance, and song within projects. With the COVID-19 pandemic changing education as we know it, we must take the opportunity to reflect on high state standardized testing. What will high state testing look like when we have the opportunity to re-enter the classroom? According to Anaya Kamenetz, an NPR author, she writes that there are four possible solutions that we can take as an option or as an alternative to standardized testing. Option number one is sampling. It's a simple approach, the same test, just fewer of them. In North Carolina, we are beginning to look at an option called check-ins. It's the same test, but there's fewer of them. There will be quarterly, and then there will be one at the end of the year. The, uh, the second option is a thief assessment. It's similar math and reading data, but it's collected very, very different. Um, it would be collected in the skills that the students mastered at a given... Uh, it doesn't show which skills the student has, has mastered at a given moment. Um, it offers insight into how quickly students learn, how diligent they are, and other big uh, pictures, picture factors. It allows for for teachers and students to kind of gain a better understanding of where to go f- from here. I, it would, although require um, a large outlay of terms and service, professional training, and computer equipment, um, depending on uh, funds available. The number three option is multiple measures. I include more and different kinds of data on student progress and school performance, um, more projects, more ideas, more work samples. Um, those are just options. Uh, social emotional skills surveys, um, game-based assessments are just two additional options and performance or portfolio-based assessments, which we will talk about in just a little bit, and inspections. Um, other parts of the world have used inspections as a way to um, guide their learning and a way to guide their skills. These uh, inspections are used to guide skills like creativity, search well-being, and technological literacy, as well as traditional assessments. Uh, it allows for schools and teachers to have a lot of control over how they evaluate. Um, the, the dream idea that I've always thought of is um, taking a project 
that a teacher creates under guidelines created by the state, district, or federal level with rubrics and provide them, provide it to a resource that a state or federal level creates, almost similar to analysis of student work. And throughout the year, students or students would give their work to teachers and they would collect it and put it in there um, without student's name because you want to keep it confidential. Uh, Based on this accountability, it would stay consistent across district, state, federal idea. Um, And it would allow for accountability to be be in place with rubrics in place for grading to occur. Um, Those are just some options going forward as alternatives. Now, I know this this topic will always be debated, but we can continue to propose innovative ideas and strategies and see if we can truly make a change with alternative assessments or alternative ideas to assessments. If COVID-19 has taught us anything, it has taught us that we must begin addressing assessments and high-stakes standardized testing and provide alternatives for, for both students and teachers. I thank you, and I hope you join this podcast for more episodes on strategies, history, resources, and stories from the Middle School Board Fountain. Until the next episode, we leave you with living the dream because the choice is always yours. Any ideas or opinions shared are my own, and they do not represent my school or district in any way.